Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Is Your podcast with your hosts Sam Foote and Anne Armstrong. If you're new here, we're a pair of Azure and Office 365 focused IT security professionals. Each episode, we talk about a specific topic in the space. This week, it's episode nine of season three. We're going to have a chat around the Azure Developer CLI, AZD. Going beyond the existing Azure CLI, this command line interface gives developers tooling, which assists with building, deploying, monitoring, and updating applications in Azure. Hey, Alan, uh, how's your week been? Hey, Sam, it's been, not been too bad so far. Uh, busy, busy, busy. How about you? Uh, yeah, not not too bad. I had a trip into uh, into the city today, which was a little bit more exciting than just um, navigating to my desk uh, like it, like it usually is. <laughs> um, so that was good, and um, luckily, uh, public transportation was on my side. So yeah, it was um, it was yeah pretty good. Um, it, it's quite interesting because we. Are so um, like consistent with our uploads. Not much happens in between. <laughs> um, to, to be totally honest with you, um, but no, um, some you know. Um, so what we are talking about this week is uh, the Azure Developer CLI. Um, I'm going to sort of take the the lead on it because I've been um, uh, uh, playing around with it. Uh, just to give you a little bit uh, of context, I would say Alan and I are in the terraform camp when it comes to infrastructure as code and um sort of declarative um uh, infrastructure um so i i learned about the azure developer cli from a i think it was a um an azure friday youtube video i think originally um so so yeah so i've been i've been playing around with it i'm trying to work out um if it's something that we should uh, look at, you know, to potentially replace our sort of Terraform uh, pipeline. Um, so yeah, let's 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 go over it. Uh, I don't, Alan, have you have you looked at the Azure Developer CLI at all? Nope, not heard about it until I've seen it on this uh, on this podcast. Because as you said, uh, I've been getting into uh, Terraform since you uh, introduced it to me. So okay, cool. Let's let's get started then. Yeah, so, okay, so, Sam, what is the Azure Developer CLI? Okay, so um, I think it's worth talking about the Azure CLI to start off with, right? And let's let's um, let, let's talk about what, well, well, this is here today, but let's talk about, you know, if you were to use a CLI to manage Azure, uh, there is Microsoft, you know, um, uh, sort of controlled and managed, um, we'd look to the the Azure CLI. The Azure CLI is um, is very the coverage of it is is very wide, and you can um, just I suppose in some you know if you're just talking about say the creation of resources in Azure, that part of it is very similar to something like a Terraform, right? Um, what the Azure CLI so let's say you wanted to create a resource group. Let's just use that as our running example, a really simple example of a resource you might create. Want to create a resource in Azure, you could either use the portal, you could go in there and configure it yourself. You could use the Azure CLI um, to do that. So you could um, you know, download the Azure CLI, authenticate with it, and then run a command, you know, RG, I think it's just AZRG create, right? And pass it some parameters. Um, and 
and, and and that can that can uh create you infrastructure in Azure. Um where that sort of stops beyond, uh, before you get to an infrastructure as code perspective is it's not declarative. Um there's it's not state driven either. So um what we mean by that is is the life cycle of that resource is then not controlled by anything. Um, so you, you you get your resource group, but then um, you, you you can't track any changes to that resource group. You can't, you know, if um, say I create a resource group and then Alan comes in and adds a an unauthorized tag to that resource group, which is a very simple example. Um, I then can't like sort of right side that configuration back to my known uh, good configuration. And that's why infrastructure as code is is really powerful because what we can do is we can declaratively say, I would like a resource group with these specific properties and we can maintain that, what we refer to in Terraform as state. So um, what, um, what, what configuration is desired um, and what is actually, you know, out there um, in the wild. So, so that's where sort of the Azure CLI from an infrastructure as code stand, uh, standpoint stops. Um, and now uh, in terms of Microsoft specific tooling, now we're looking at things like Bicep to replace uh, as a, as a uh, translation layer of ARM templates that we've had previously in the past. Uh, Bicep gives us um, the ability to de uh, declare uh, resources and infrastructure in Azure. Um, so th that's great. And that's another step on from ARM templates because we're we're writing in a, uh, I'll call it a scripting language in order to like loop and create controls like you have in Terraform where you can sort of dynamically build um, up your properties for your infrastructure. Um so, so Bicep has the core, I'll call it like configuration logic that um, Terraform has. Uh, but what Bicep, where, so so Bicep is relatively similar to Terraform in that in that perspective. Bicep is obviously own Azure only um, as well. So uh, what's the new uh, Azure developer CLI? Uh, takes sort of a, a step forward with that um, is it adds um, sort of developer friendly commands to sort of automate bicep deployment um, and a, a, a CLI that you can use within uh, things like um, uh, DevOps pipelines in order to automate um, that out uh, that the delivery of the, of that bicep configuration just to call out azure developer cli also supports terraform which then adds another level of like um I'll, I'll call it confusion on top because um what we've seen with microsoft's documentation is is that you'll you'll sometimes see you know um an arm template a bison uh, a bison a bicep template, not a bison. <laughs> um, that wouldn't be great in the Azure docs. Probably make a mess. Um, you will you, you'll typically see, you know, an arm potentially an arm template. You would see a bicep template, and you will also see, you know, a Terraform uh, template there as well in some of the documentation. So, um, you know, uh, biceps is bicep is a 
an evolution of ARM and a layer on top that, in my opinion, ARM needed in order to be, you know, uh, more usable for um, infrastructure analysts. Um, but maybe Bicep didn't have um, the orchestration um, capabilities on its own. And that is what uh, the developer CLI is is bringing in. One of the the main areas that the Azure Developer CLI is bringing in is this this idea of templates. So um, what you can do is you can, and I'll talk about it a bit deeper when we talk uh, talk through the walkthrough. Is that you can pick from a template and you can build your own templates of um, multiple different um, artifacts, which then allow you um, to deploy. Um, so. So if you're if you're moving to if you're moving to Bicep, um, the developer CLI is going to give you a, a lot more control um, because one of the main areas that it it covers is not just um, infrastructure, and the, this is one of the challenges that we have internally is how you manage your infrastructure, but then also your application code as well. So let's say you're, you know, you're deploying a an Azure function, just as a, a random example. Um, you need to build the infrastructure that sits around that Azure function. Maybe your Azure function talks to a SQL database. Maybe it um, it talks to a Redis um, a Redis instance. Um, you need to have all of the infrastructure in and around that. And then once you've got your infrastructure ready, you also need to deploy your your package. So with with an Azure function, you would um, effectively create effectively a zip file with all your binaries and all your code in it, and you'd run a deployment to to run it up into into Azure. Now that can all be that could all be um, uh, it could all be uh, done in the portal if you wanted to. If you didn't want any infrastructure as code, you could script it in a like a you know a local PowerShell script or a bash script uh, with the Azure CLI to deploy it all for you because all of those endpoints are there. Um, then you could take it one step further and add Terraform to add the infrastructure um, element to that. Uh, but the bit that's kind of missing from that side of things as well is the application code. You know, how once you've committed, you know, your latest changes, do you use, you know, Terraform to deploy your infrastructure then after Terraform is completed, do you then run another pipeline to use the Azure CLI to, you know, um, well, you wouldn't use the Azure CLI. You would use um, like the .NET SDK to build your function package and then use the Azure CLI to then, or an action in GitHub Actions to then, you know, publish that um, up to your infrastructure. So you've got two parts really there and two things that you have to maintain the lifecycle of. Um, and I think what, um and and that is okay if you are a large enough team where you potentially have like uh uh admins that look after the infrastructure and then also people that look after um the application uh logic and code as well but what what can what can happen now is we can have a blurring of those two lines where you in your team you might have a, a devops uh professional and they might have to cover automation of the infrastructure and you know security and potentially hardening of that infrastructure and also the actual deployment of new packages um, that go out. 
What can also be a challenge is, is orchestrating changes to infrastructure that are required by new code releases. So let's say you, you, know, you update your Azure function and now you need to use uh, Cosmos DB, you know, um, and maybe Cosmos, you know, so you have to then, your, your Terraform and your infrastructure as code is then intrinsically linked to the requirements of your application uh, logic as well. So in some respects, keeping the application code and the infrastructure together um, makes a lot of sense because they they can be reliant on one or the other, um, if 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 that makes sense, and and um, and working out the relationships of deployment um, can be a, a little bit tricky, especially if you have a complex application. Wow. Okay. So sounds quite interesting. Um, yeah. I guess is is there any you kind of said about. Um, Azure CLI not having any state. Is there any state with developer CLI? So uh, by so Terraform, the, the way that Terraform works is that it's um, when you use a provider in, we've done an episode on Terraform. If you haven't listened yep. to that episode, go and listen to it because, you know, if, if what I'm about to say doesn't make sense and it's all in that episode, um, it probably isn't actually, to be fair. Um, but Terraform uses what's called providers. So there's a provider for Azure Resource Manager. It's called Azure RM. And what Terraform does is when you run it locally, it is using the logic inside of that provider. It does not talk to Azure to validate any of your syntax, any of your configuration. So what you can have is that you can have things... Uh, and then, and then what it does is when it when you actually uh, deploy, um, Terraform then hits all of those endpoints um, to, to to deploy your resources. Um, and then what it does is it captures the output from those API calls. Effectively, they use the they use the Go SDK, but the output that, that comes back, and then they store that as what we call state. Um, and that's effectively a JSON file, which says, you know, um, this is the resource group. This is its IDs. If you've ever looked in the uh, the properties or the JSON view of a resource in Azure, that's effectively what you're getting, plus some other stuff in your state for each of your items. Now, BICEP, so, and, and state in Terraform is really important because if you lose your state, um, when you try to redeploy or do an incremental deploy or a change, Terraform is going to go, there's a bunch of stuff here that already exists. I, I can't, I'm not going to overwrite that for you. And there is a process where you have to go through and import that back into state. So what Terraform does is it allows you to store state locally. It will create like JSON files for you. And you can store state remotely, like in a storage account. Um, so that, you know, if I make updates, you know, um, on Monday, um, my changes are made and stored in that state. And then if Alan makes changes on Wednesday, um, when Terraform goes to deploy again, it reads that state in to understand what is new and what has changed since the last time I've been there. Bicep doesn't have a concept of state. Um, it uses an incremental deployment um, like methodology where uh, because uh, Bicep can, um, if you authenticate, Bicep can do um, incremental deployment to Azure without any sort of state management whatsoever. Um, and it because it can basically on the fly work out what has changed and, and, and what needs to happen directly in Azure. 
I don't know the reason why Terraform has state under the hood. My assumption is is because Terraform, well, like the vast majority of platforms are supported by Terraform. So I assume that any, um, even if the ARM like REST API can from Azure can tell you, you know, whether you can incrementally deploy, it might be that Terraform just takes a blanket approach. You know, that's just my assumption because of all of the different, you know, like working to the lowest common denominator, basically. So so bicep is bicep is really powerful from that perspective because in theory you don't need state for it. You can just incrementally deploy every single time. So um but the thing with the developer CLI is is it's utilizing what's built into Bicep and even Terraform. And there are a few limitations and things like that. Um, but it's just building on top of that to help you automate that even further, effectively to get your application code um, into your deployment as well. Okay, cool. So we kind of talked about this a little bit, but um, what what environments does it support? Okay, so we've talked about, well, it's, it's, it's Azure only. Um, it's a Microsoft, you know, um, enabler uh, for Azure um, completely. Um, you can install, um, you can use, uh, install it and run it um, on Windows, Mac, and Linux. Um, and it's designed like that, so it can also be run within side of uh, development DevOps pipelines um, as well. Okay. Um, just to talk about environments a, a little bit more, um, so. When you run, um, when you run the uh, when you run the developer CLI, uh, you can either run it like bare metal on your laptop, for instance. Um, you manage all of the dependencies that you need to run Azure. Uh, the Azure does. I'll call it AZD because that's its that's its effective name. Like you know the AZ API. Um, you know the AZ CLI. This is the AZD. So. AZD require uh, you can just run it. Like for instance, that's how I ran it. I just installed it on my um, on my machine, and um, I de- uh, I'll talk about the process a bit more. But then I just effectively downloaded a template and hit run. I authenticated and and, and away I go. Um, you can also run it inside of a dev container. Um, if you're a dev if you're a developer, dev containers um, within inside of Visual Studio Code effectively give you a prepackaged development environment inside of a Docker container um, so that you can deploy all of the, you can ha- you can manage, you know, your local development environment a lot more granularly than, you know, um, than relying on like global packages uh, on, on your machine. Um, and it can also be run inside of GitHub code, sp- uh, code spaces as well. So if you use code space for uh, an effective, a code space is like a remote, if you've ever used um, Visual Studio Code um, remote uh, development, I think it's called remote development. I think that's what it is. Um, if you've ever used that, that's effectively a code space is a, a virtualized environment that's um, hosted inside of GitHub that you can, um, it's effectively, I assume it's just like a Docker container that you remote into um, and you can you can run it inside of a GitHub code space as well. Okay, great. Um, okay, so how does it work? How do you use it? You kind of talked about some templates, but you know, step us through the the process of using it. Okay, so I think it's 
okay, so let, let's start off um, effectively install the CLI, um, step one. Um, good documentation on how to do that. I do just want to call out this point, it's currently in preview. So that's why we are looking at it at the moment, um, because as new like technology comes on, we're, we're, we're constantly trying to find potentially new and more efficient ways to, to work. So um, you, you install the CLI, and what's interesting is, is that um, you can effectively, like you can with the .NET CLI, um, that comes with a bunch of templates. So if you want to start a new .NET project, like you want to start a, a function app or a React SPA or a web API or whatever it is, um, very similar to that, there's a bunch of pre-baked templates. And that's what I worked with to start off with. So I picked like the, um, it's a to-do list that uses uh, an Azure function with API management and a single page application on the front of it. So it's actually, even though it's just a to-do list, it's quite, it was quite a, um, I'm not going to say complex, but there was a lot of resources that it deployed. I think it deployed about 13 different resources, something like that. So from a infrastructure perspective, it wasn't just a, like a simple app service and away you go. It was kind of sort of an end-to-end -end, um, example. Um, there is also a community website of templates. So it, it looks like Microsoft's trying to foster a sense of, a community around um, potentially people building their own templates and then sharing them with the community. On that website, there's also a place that you can, I think you can, f it's all driven by GitHub, I believe. And you just, um, you tag a, I think you tag a repo with a request in it or a gist or something like that. Um, and it comes up and you can basically request other people to help you build a template. Um, so there's a cut bit when I looked, there was a couple on there of people that wanted specific templates um, created. Um, one thing to call out with the documentation there is Microsoft made it very abundantly clear that templates could be licensed by third parties with different licensing. They called that out specifically and quite prominently in the documentation, which I thought was interesting. So maybe they're going to foster some sort of um, maybe paid community because I assume that like templates could be quite valuable. Um, you know, companies could build templates for, for certain things, um, to accelerate, you know, development of other teams potentially. Um, it seemed more like an open source sort of community thing, but you know, um, it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to layer on some sort of other incentive there. Um, for the moment, let's just pretend that we're just, you want to using one of the pre-baked templates and, and that's, and we're happy with that. Um, you effectively authenticate with, um, AZD. Um, it'll push you to a browser to authenticate, you come back nice and easy, and then you can do a deployment. And what the deployment will then do is it will um, ask you a couple of questions about what the environment is. Um, so let's just talk about environments. You can have separate environments for dev, staging, prod, and you know maybe prod one, prod two, whatever you've got. Um, and you can have different environment variables and configurations uh, for each of those environments. So environment management in Terraform, I'm not going to say it's complex, but you've got to think about it when you're like creating your Terraform strategy, how you, you know, slice up your environment variables and parameters and things like that. Um, if you opt for um, HashiCorp's like paid enterprise product, um, well, uh, management product effectively, they take that that away from you. But that is an area where that is quite 
I'd say lacking if you don't have experience with Terraform. Um, but Microsoft have that straight out of the gate in terms of how you manage your environments. Um, and then you effectively do an AZD deploy. Um, and what it will do is it will just go in, um, create the resources for you. Gives you a link, which is cool. And then you get, um, what's the page in Azure where you see the deployment, like the deployment plan. You can, like you do in the portal, you actually, it links you to there. So you can watch everything deploy. Um, the first time I ran it, it failed because I tried to deploy to UK South and something wasn't available there. Can't remember. There's something in the example template that isn't available in UK South. Can't remember the exact thing. Anyway, um, it deployed everything but failed on one thing. Um, and um, so, so then what I did is because it failed, I... I went to inspect all the things that it uh, put in was a bit cheeky because it like put in things like a, um, like a really expensive SQL server. Like the, mm -hmm. if you, if you create a SQL server via like, um, the AZCLI, the default one is like a standard V core model or something. It's like 250, you know, $250 a month or something like that. That's what it deployed. It also deployed API management as well, which is quite expensive. Um, so, little bit well not cheeky there like i could have i didn't read the template i just deployed the thing because uh, it wasn't <laughs> that wasn't the bit that i was looking at that time um so yeah so it deployed all of those things um mine failed so i did an azd it's either down or destroy i think it's down um and that removed everything um pretty quickly actually to be totally honest with you um i didn't try incremental uh like uh, deployment or anything like that. Um, I, I just I just ran it and deployed it again. It deployed all the infrastructure, deployed the app, and effectively I could um, I could go go to the uh, single page application straight away, and it showed me my to do list, which was really cool because it not only deployed my infrastructure, it also deployed my um, my code as well, which I thought was pretty neat considering you know that sort of a um, a a sort of a more advanced scenario with Terraform and baby DevOps pipelines as well, right? Because if you if you configure a DevOps pipeline, in that DevOps pipeline, you could have a lot of scaffolding in order to get certain things into the correct states and configuration and to deploy. Like, like I mentioned before, you you make sure you do your infrastructure, then you work on you know app packaging. And then you might work on, you might make separate DevOps uh, pipelines. In theory, you could make a pipeline, which is just simply AZ deploy. And it's an AZ deploy is the sort of the, the engine that's going to drive um, those changes inside of it as well. Um, what I didn't try is I didn't, there's a way to, I believe, create that pipeline automatically for you as well. So there's a helper in there to create your pipeline. I didn't try that but apparently that's there as well. So you can effectively go, I don't want to deploy this from here. I would like to deploy this from a pipeline and a Git push. So that is also, a, uh, it will also go and create those pipelines for you automatically, which again is a potential, you know, um, place that you can spend a good amount of time uh, configuring that, especially for multiple environments as well, right? You can sometimes have to have multiple pipelines 
for each you know environment potentially depends how complex things become so if if your requirements fit inside of this that can help um, a lot with that just to call out as well currently the only supported this is really around it's really a design for developers so um we're talking azure app services supported in terms of co-deployment azure functions azure container apps and azure static web apps so spas react angular vue.js and that sort of thing and then apparently azure kubernetes service is coming soon so but i haven't even looked at that i think we should probably um uh revisit this one once that is here has landed um because i think kubernetes orchestration could be unreal really because that's that's like another level on top really of potential configuration complexity so it's good to see that they're they're focused on that as well um just just to quickly talk about as well there's a couple of deployment modes as well um for um for um uh, azure resource manager so you can effectively do an incremental deployment um between you know um the changes to resource groups and then you can also do like a full um i believe it's called a complete um deployment where it deletes all the existing resources um um and then um it it can it can clear out of effectively resources that are inside of the um uh the the, the resource group basically so incremental is safer and then a complete can can completely wipe everything and start from fresh basically Okay, yeah, so it's definitely got some characteristics of Terraform, um, from from what I know of Terraform anyway. Um, uh, question, uh, talking about incremental, I'm thinking about some of the things we've done with Terraform and things like that. Um, say we decide to change the name of a resource. Is it able to do that name change? Or will it create a new resource because it's not really matching against what was already there, if you kind of see what I mean. Because with Terraform, obviously, you've got the state, so you can say that now needs to be destroyed and I need to build a new one. Yeah, I didn't I didn't actually try renaming, to be totally honest with you, because that is a... Um, because naming cannot be changed in Azure, mm. right? Um, that's usually a destroy and recreate. I'm, I, I didn't try that scenario, but okay. I'm going to probably guess that it's going to be a destroy and, and recreate um as it currently is would be my you know thought process yeah no that's cool that's good um yeah it, it sounds it sounds quite interesting i definitely think i need to look at it as well because we do quite a few things don't we um with, with what we're doing um so yeah kind of is there anything else that's different between you know um azure um Dev you know, developer CLI and Terraform. Is there anything else that's different? Um, I think it's. I suppose the question really is: is more bicep versus Terraform, really? Yeah. Because this is. But if we're talking about, so the deployment of infrastructure and I suppose code as well, because because bicep bicep is effectively a scripting language that outputs arm templates it's, you know it's it's a way to not have to write all of that horrible um i say horrible i shouldn't really criticize the arm templates because i i understand why they're very verbose right like because you're you're declaring 
um, resources in Azure. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, boilerplate there with um, templates that that Bicep allows you to effectively um, skip over. Um, I believe Bicep is also um, based on TypeScript, I think. So you get a lot of like um, in Visual Studio Code, you get a lot of um, autocomplete and type aware um, checking as well um, in, in, in Visual Studio Code. So I think from a um, bicep versus Terraform is is one com a comparison. I think I, we, we've talked about that. Um, but I think a, a developer CLI to Terraform. I think what 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 we see is is it is Terraform is not going to that application code management level, and that is what Microsoft is 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 doing here. It's it's they're coming at it from the viewpoint is is well if you create infrastructure you've got to deploy something to it, right? You know, and they don't support all infrastructure. You know, it's it's the PaaS offerings that they're you know where they have that first party integration with, right? So, for instance, you know, if you need to do things inside of virtual machines, IaaS, Terraform is the way to go because there are providers to help you with that. If you're deploying anything to on-prem, Terraform is the way to go. If you're deploying to other clouds and other services, Terraform is the way to go because developer CLI is only Microsoft, only Azure, right? So that's, you know, because some applications, you know, um, some applications I worked on in the past use specific PaaS tooling or SaaS offerings from different uh, cloud vendors, right? I know it might, might sound mental, but like I know people that use uh, cognitive services in Azure, but actually host their applications on AWS. If you're in that scenario and you want infrastructure as code, then Terraform is, is the only way to go, you know, really, if you want cross, you know, cloud compatibility. Um, so I think Terraform, Terraform is focused on a, I'll call it a subset, but say half of the, you know, um, half of what's there, and and Terraform is, Terraform is good. Well, Terraform is is an amazing product, um, but it's good on many different platforms. Um, and what Azure Developer CLI is, is is completely focused for Microsoft tooling and solutions, right? And we're seeing a tightly integrated product here. If you can, um, if you can live with that as your only focus, and for a lot of organisations, that's absolutely fine. And for a lot of the solutions we deploy, for instance, that would be absolutely fine, right? Um, so, but but I also don't think uh, what what I'm really interested in is how this compare because. Um, Alan and I do a lot of uh, logic app deployments. So, no, and workflow logic app deployments. So, not the, what's it called? Like, um, the standard. Standard logic apps where you actually have like a effectively an apps, um, a service app environment, service, don't yeah. you? App service that runs your logic apps and you can do, you can do much more with it. Um, but you have, it's, it's quite expensive and you have to think about uh, high availability and things like that. Um, so we love workflow-based logic apps, and technically, workflow-based uh, logic apps quotes cannot be um, <laughs> uh, DevOps, um, but we do do that. Um, we 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 do manage um, 
our logic apps with um, ARM templates or Terraform where, where applicable. And we have got workarounds with that. What I'd really like to see is um, what I'd like to try next is comparing what we have to do Terraform side, try and replicate that in Azure developer CLI. Because if we've got access to Bicep, we have access to ARM. And if we've got access to ARM, we've got access to you know um, ARM deployment of workflow logic apps, right? Um, and so it, it might give us a better um, uh, workflow and process for managing those workflow logic apps. So uh, I think the only way we're really going to know it, for some of our uh, projects is is comparing them against them, yeah. you know? Um, so that's my my sort of viewpoint. And it was gonna, kind of going to be my question or, or my sort of statement, I guess, that because it supports Terraform, that you can kind of migrate to it, can't you, I guess, that if you've got your infrastructure set up in um, Terraform at the moment, and then you're looking at that you've got that missing gap, like you said, with the, the code, then you could start off with by using developer CLI to sort of bridge that gap. And then maybe as you need new resources and things like that, maybe you look at Bicep, if you're Azure only, of course, well, this is for Azure only, but you could start moving to Bicep maybe if it makes sense to kind of thing. So you don't have to worry about stripping it all out. You have to start from scratch for your infrastructure. I mean, some of the projects we've got, Sam, are massive, aren't they? And it wouldn't necessarily be too difficult to switch over because we've got all the we've worked all the the logic out that we need um which has been the hardest part but yeah at least there's a way of migrating or improving your current solution for deploying your your application and code or your infrastructure and code i should say um and then you can migrate as you need i guess yeah i mean i i don't want to bash on terraform at all but there are some there's some inherent things with terraform which make it a little bit more challenging to work with you know, you are reliant on updates to those providers to reflect changes to the APIs, you know, that, that are in place. We have also seen that where there's, um, I'll call it like preview APIs um, and things where there's not coverage in the providers where you have to go to what's a, a thing called AZ API, which gives you like direct access to the REST API. And Microsoft have, have, have created that as part of Terraform to bridge some of that gap, which is really good. On the whole, I'm I'm not being critical of Terraform. I'm just saying because they are outside Microsoft, they have to you know uh, change and and track and track um, uh, the management of that, and they do a really good job of doing that. But this is completely first party Microsoft side, right? You know, like um, Bicep. As, as as long as Bicep has the ARM changes, you know, you've got the latest version of Bicep, you've got those ARM changes in there. You're only waiting on Microsoft to do those updates, right? And and you know. So that's that's the big a potential win for me because you know they're the ones managing that ecosystem uh, potentially as well. So, but um, but but yeah, because when you create a template in when when you download a template, there's there's basically two folders. Well, there's multiple folders, but the two folders really are where you've got a YAML file which maps all the services. Kind of reminds me of a Docker Compose file. You know, not going to lie, it looks very similar to that. Um, so, but that maps all of the different services that you're deploying, kind of like Docker compose. And then the other side of that is, is you have folders like 
for instance, there's an app folder, which has your app code in it. And then there's a infra folder, which has got your infrastructure in it. That could potentially have Bicep in it, or it could have Terraform if you wish. Um, there are some limitations. I won't go into that, but you know, definitely check the documentation out. It's all in preview anyway. So this is all like subject to change and you know this we haven't tried this into production yet like you know we haven't um because uh, you know um the organizations that we work with this isn't something that we would even approach with them until you know we've got a a a ga and a you know a a proper release from microsoft so where we can actually um run on it in, in in production but but it's really interesting to see that they're coming from both the infrastructure and the app side of things yeah okay so we we kind of talked about some of those limitations and one of them being you know it is azure only um that's like you said there's there's pros and cons to that because it's first party so you're getting everything pretty quickly to the you know, to the code um and you know it's preview so it's not necessarily it's not a limitation but there may be some things that aren't out yet like the kubernetes piece um is there anything else that's kind of a limitation I, I think for me that there's going to be an inherent limitation where people adopting it. Um, it is another layer on top of if you're, you know, there's a new set of tooling, there's a new CLI, there's, there's, there's new um, like um, reference architecture that you need to learn. So there is an upskilling element to that. So it's going to be driven by people you know, it's currently going to be driven by pe- I personally think it's going to be driven by people that are using Bicep, um, but they maybe uh, want to improve their processes and their workflows. Um, one thing I haven't called out actually, which I should call out, is you can actually monitor your applications with it as well. You can run a command and it effectively um, shows you the, um, I'd say the application insights like of your, you know, uh, of of what's going on. So it's it's not just deployment um, and updating; it's also monitoring as well um, going forward. Um, so uh, understanding what's there and the functionalities and the features and changing over your internal processes, um, there's there's something else to learn there. And the only other thing I can I could sort of think of is is because it does sound like a really good idea, you know, AZ uh, Azure only being a potentially a big limitation to some organisations, but not not to everyone because you know some people are single Azure cloud only and there's nothing you know wrong with that whatsoever um is is currently in preview you know um there's potential a lot of change with it um if you're learning it um you know uh, expect there to be changes you know uh, microsoft are very microsoft are very different nowadays they build in the open i would say a lot more than they ever used to so just just remember that when you know, we talk about it and I, I'm, I am excited for this technology for sure, but this is not a conversation that's going near a customer for a, a long time. And I'm not being critical of Microsoft for that. Um, I, I, I'm just making sure that Microsoft are going to build an ecosystem and they're going to get enough engagement from it, you know, because are people going to, uh, people like, uh, like us, um, we're happy to uh, potentially I'm not even going to call call it waste of time. Invest some time into learning of whether this is good for us or not. You know, um, other people might just be like, I've you know, I've dedicated my um, my infrastructure career to Terraform now, and that is, you know, um, 
th- that's transferable skills that I-, I might not be completely wed to Microsoft in Azure, and I might want to take those skills elsewhere. So there, there could be an element of, and I'm not going to say there is because I, I don't know yet, um, but there could be an element of people, you know, making sure that they're on the right bandwagon, uh, basically. Because personally, for me, I've got no real problem with Terraform. It it does its job and it does its job really well. So part of the other side of me, maybe I'm getting a bit old and a bit cynical, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, it is is my sort of default stance. But, but I also think that we should give new technologies and new ideas, you know, that people have the time of day to, to learn about it. And it's quite obvious that a lot of really good efforts, engineering efforts have gone into this. And I can really see very rapidly why it's could be so valuable. Uh, but it's just going to be a case of comparing against, you know, what, what you're currently doing. You know, it could be a big change for you. Could also not be a big change for you. If you're currently managing things via Azure CLI and you've got no declarative, you know, um, maybe you're just using Bicep, you know, to replace your old ARM templates to start off with. Maybe this for for people that are Azure only using ARM templates and and now Bicep, this is a natural progression into the developer CLI to give you so that you don't potentially need. Um, so like we've had to go and learn DevOps, you know, creating those pipelines and things like that. This could be a good enabler for you to 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 kickstart your your DevOps transformation journey, if we want to call it that. It's a bit of a I don't really know if I should call it that, but <laughs> um, <laughs> this could be a good start to, to to that process potentially. Yeah, and I think um, I mean one thing is that um, to say is that me and Sam are always on private previews, public previews. So we've kind of got into that mindset of uh, don't expect it to be completely working, I guess is the answer, is the is the response, isn't it? That there are bugs, um, not not often, um, but there are some out there. And that when you're using preview stuff, you just got to be in that mindset that it's not going to, it's not necessarily going to be perfect. Um, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, it may not go straight, you know, for us, it might not go straight to the customer. Um, but you know, learning that it's something that we can use means that you can be prepared for it at least yeah, for when it becomes generally available or it's, you know, you're happy with the, the functionality that it's got kind of thing. So, yeah, I'm, so. I mean, I mean, personally for me, I, uh, the, the way I see it is, is that, well, we know firsthand the um, engineering output that Microsoft can deliver, right. You mm. know, across Azure, Microsoft 365, you know, like it's unbable. Like it's, I'm going to call it impossible to keep up with everything right that's <laughs> happening. Um, and that is just part and parcel of being in the. Uh, well, in te- I'll call it in technology. That's just the the way it's been for a long time, right? It's just people are continually evolving and, and changing. So, um, so, so to me, I think the investment of time is understanding whether. Azure Developer CLI fixes some of the um, challenges that I have with my current tooling. I'd give it the time of day to do that. And and personally, that's how I've always been. You know, I, I come from a development background where new frameworks, you know, um, frameworks flow in and out of, you know, hotness all the time, right? You know, and there are constantly new changes um, happening there. So, um, so yeah, proceed with caution. 
but also I would say proceed with optimism that potentially this could, you know, um, uh, potentially help you, you know, um, that's what we want at the end of the day. Uh, we're all inherently lazy and we should be right. We should let like <laughs> tooling, you know, like from my, <laughs> my, uh, development, uh, background, you know, programmers are inherently lazy. They just want to automate everything. Right. Like why have humans do, do anything? Um, so that level of, uh, declarative, um, you know, uh, replayability and control, um, is 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 a massive bonus to, to to infrastructure. When you first start doing it, you might think, "I can just configure this in the portal in two minutes." Like, what? Why would you bother doing X, Y, and Z? Um, but um, when you start to use infrastructure as code and and these management like principles and life cycles, you you understand, um, especially when you have to rapidly rebuild or test or validate. Um, try doing an infrastructure test plan without Terraform. Like, yeah, good luck to you uh, with a large uh, deployment. So, um, so, so these things are uh, p- potential massive uh, time savers. And and what that comes down to is is either your organization or your customer effectively could get a more efficient service from you. You know, so you could have a key differentiator of you know. Um, um, of, of others that are maybe, you know, testing and deploying manually, which is for me, the, the biggest thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely a converted infrastructure as code person in the last six months. Yeah. Well, um, the, the thing is when you, when you open, uh, like, I know this isn't a Terraform episode, but when you open like Terraform configuration files, you're like, you know, like what the hell is this to start off with? Right. <laughs> um, and then when you like kind of understand that it's just like blocks of, arm templates basically it's not arm templates at all but it's like blocks of arm templates that are just easier for you and you've effectively got to run a couple of commands to deploy it um you know we've had like you know abd deployments of nearly 600 resources take (laughs) i don't know like 12 minutes to run or something like that um and then when you've got to tear all that down and you know and test a dr scenario and and then things like that um, and we actually have like uh, projects which are like declarative infrastructure as well. So like um, like a multi-tenancy scenario where you've got to add more resources for you know uh, particular um, uh, customers or verticals or, or whatever you've got. Um, that's where you know infrastructure as code can really um, really shine. And that's not just a Terraform thing. That's you can do that in Bicep. Bicep has looping and and be able to do that declaratively. So um, for me, as 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 long as infrastructure as code is being promoted and and driven forward that's the biggest you know benefit to me you know the actual tooling that you use and what you prefer is is kind of irrelevant in 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 my opinion okay so the question that everyone likes to to hear or maybe not i don't know but um how much does it cost to use uh the azure developer cli well as as we Except for all the stuff we normally talk about, where we're talking about, oh, you need E3 or you need E5 <laughs> or, or something like that. Um, these your developer CLI is completely free. Uh, with the caveat of that you could potentially have to license a template. Obviously not free to use because you've got to invest your time to build your templates and your things. So there is a inherent cost with uh, doing that of your time. But from an Azure perspective, Effectively, we're automating bicep, which is automating arm and getting, you know, consumption in Azure. So it's 
um, in Microsoft's best interest for you to more efficiently be able to deploy resources to Azure, right? So, um, so yeah, so completely free. Um, I personally can't see that changing because it's effectively another layer on top of Bicep. Um, it'd be a bit. I think it would be a bit weird to do that because Microsoft are really taking your money from like your code spaces or your con- you know containerized development you know environments or your staging environments, things like that. Not necessarily the tooling to to get it there. You know, the Kubernetes service is free on top of the infrastructure, which is a lot more valuable day to day than than this sort of thing. So it'd be it'd be weird to me to see them license this, but you never really know, do you? Because it's Microsoft. I say that in I don't say that in a negative <laughs> way, but you just don't know because we're not part of Microsoft, right? Not that Microsoft, you know, pull the rug under us and, and charge us for things. Um they usually personally when we see public previews anyway they're very upfront with their they'll be like it's free during the you know the public preview period right they call that out a lot i haven't seen that at all for developer cli so yeah yeah no it makes sense for it not to be i think it makes sense for it not to be uh have a cost to it because like you said it is just you know enhancements it's like in the the layer on top of bicep and things like that so yeah makes sense Okay, um, and that that's it from me. Alan, have you got any other questions or comments? Uh, no questions, but thank you very much for going through all that. It was very informative, and yeah, I definitely think I want to go and take a look at it now. Yeah, um, I'm. But... I'm. Uh, my next thing is <laughs> to, uh, to to try a Logic app. I really want to see uh, what it's like to declare that. So yeah, it'd be really interesting to see over the next few months how it develops and. And if we do end up putting it into service, I think we should recap with another um, episode on how that went and why we're potentially using it for some deployments, potentially. Yeah, well, I've got I've got loads of logic apps that need uh, deploying. We've got <laughs> on our next uh, next stuff, so yeah, let's let's uh, give it a go. Okay, cool. Um, so next episode, Alan, uh, what are we talking about next? I think this one's just for you. Yep. So we're going to go back to Power Platform. And we're going to talk about uh, managing your your Power Apps and your Power Automate flows and permissioning and Dataverse um, with solutions. So to be able to create uh, Power Platform solutions or dynamic solutions as well, technically, um, we won't be touching dynamics too much because we're definitely not dynamics experts. Um, but yes, we'll be... <laughs> but, um, but yes. Talking about you know how you can do you know use the the Power Platform environment to have you know your your devs you know staging and production environments as well as um, creating applications that then you can pass you know in effect manage or you know, send to customers to you know, they can purchase things like that. So we'll go through a bit of that. I think. Okay, great. That sounds sounds like um, yeah, it could be a very interesting uh, episode because um, sort of. Um, all the different component parts in Power Platform wrapped into like a a, a solution is is a very powerful uh, deployment and management you know control right so yeah uh, very interested to hear about that um, if you've enjoyed this episode please do consider subscribing if you'd like to listen to more of this sort of content in the future we have many more topics that we like to cover and your listens and support is what will continue to fuel the podcast going forward we also have the ability for you to give us some feedback did you enjoy this episode disagree with our thoughts or did we miss something um please use the form in the show notes um to leave us a message uh, we'd love to hear from you
see how we're getting on with this, you know, with this uh, series because we're almost halfway through it. We are almost halfway through, and yeah, if if anybody out there has got any um, experience with your developer CLI, uh, please do feedback um, because we've had very limited exposure to it at this point. Um, it'd be really interesting to see other people's thoughts and opinions. Okay, Alan, um, I'll catch you uh, next week. Yep, and I'll catch you next week, Sam, as well. Thanks for this episode and speak to everyone soon. Bye. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye.